Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Today, I was so glad to interview Stephen Coffer, who co-founded TripAdvisor in February 2000, and has been the president and chief executive officer of TripAdvisor since then. Most everyone I know wants to get out there and travel. Some already do and think the time has long passed for us to be locked up in our homes or no longer want to only travel close to home. Others I know are still more cautious and not quite sure what to do and what precautions to take. But the common conversation seems to be, as soon as we can travel, we want to get out there and go. I know I'm itching to take my wife and kids out traveling again. Take a listen here and see what Steve has to say about travel in the age of COVID. I think you'll find his insight and tips helpful. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. I'm really pleased today to welcome Steve Koffer from TripAdvisor, the CEO and founder of TripAdvisor. Steve, I have to say, I'm a dad of six, and TripAdvisor has been in my life for years. I'm very fortunate to be able to travel around the world with my six kids, and I have to tell you that for so many years, TripAdvisor was the first site I would go to to try to figure out where should I go, what should I do. So thank you for for the amazing site that you put together. Oh well, thank you, thank you very much for that, uh, that nice compliment. My pleasure. And and the world has changed, right? So I have not gone away much during COVID. My wife is actually super cautious. She's a doctor. My youngest is ten, not vaccinated yet. Although hopefully that'll change. But I know we're aching to get out. So I suppose the first question I want to ask you is, are you seeing what I'm seeing, which is despite people's fears, is the traveling public aching to get out? Absolutely. The traveling public is eager as can be to get out. And the same for you, everyone else feels when and if it is safe. So we see tremendous variations around the world. Earlier this past summer, as People got vaccinated and those maybe without young kids, uh, without other conditions, uh, they roared back into travel, surprising most folks in the travel industry. Uh, U.S. domestic travel, we saw exceed 2019 levels uh, as a, uh, on our site, which, uh, to be clear, is focused on leisure travel, not business. Uh, but we saw this huge pent-up demand kind of burst forth. Then it calmed a little bit with uh, with Delta, but again, still still quite strong. And I think there's there's a few reasons behind that. And are there differences in terms of where this new explosion of interest is coming from? Meaning, is it all over the world that people are aching to get out, or primarily the United States? Where's the business? Look, you know, where's it coming from? I mean, the, the correlation is is pretty clear amongst vaccination rates and interest in travel. As people got vaccinated here in the States, boom, it's like, great, where can I go? I'm eager to go somewhere. Most borders still closed, so they went mostly domestic uh, and went and had a great time. As we saw vaccination rates climb in Europe, 
Europe followed suit. It was a couple months later than the U.S., but still, uh, as international borders remain more closed in Asia, people doing less overall travel there uh, as, uh, as something that's just both more conservative uh, at, in points, lower vaccination rates, and smaller countries with a uh, uh, with more closed borders. And did TripAdvisor sort of set up a, a tips part of its website? So, for example, in the summer, we were aching to get out, but we were still very cautious because of Delta. We ended up traveling domestically. Usually we travel overseas in the summer. We had a great time at Hershey Park and Amish country, which I hadn't done in many, many years. But now I'd like to go back to traveling internationally. So it's a bit confusing, right? The UK has now fully open. Israel is about to open. Dubai has the World Expo that's open. But then there are plenty of places that are shut. How does one figure out what's open, what's closed? And they change, right? Uh, it does change. Uh, you can go on our site. We'll essentially point you to the various State Department recommendations, kind of the more official stuff, in part because we don't, we don't want to be behind in anything. The approach that we've taken is what we call our Travel Safe Initiative, where it's really down to the individual property level, the individual restaurant level, the, the attraction, where... We have a major section on every page dedicated to letting the hotelier, the tour operator, or the restaurant explain what they are doing to keep the folks coming to their hotel or restaurant safe. Uh, and like it, it's completely free to the business, completely what the traveling population wants when they get to the destination. So uh, uh, no, on our site, we're not really helping you decide is Chicago safer than New York or can I get into London right now? Those things change too much. But at the hotel level, uh, at the restaurant level, yeah, TripAdvisor is a guidance site. It's, it's there to help. You know, at the hotel level, and this is probably true of the other service providers, I noticed a dramatic change. In 2020, most of the hotels I had to end up in, usually for business, were essentially, I would call, partially open. I could check in. It almost looks like a hospital. Some of them didn't even have room service, which was surprising. Most of the amenities were closed. But 2021, most of the time when I go, there are a handful of places that have their some of the amenities closed. But in large part, yes, you know they would like masks in the lobbies and the common areas. Yes, the plexiglass is still there here and there. But I think most of the places I've been have been open for business. What are you seeing in the hotel and other service providers' uh, situations? I, I do see much the same thing. There have not been a big raft of closures that would disrupt travel. I'd say most of the hospitality businesses went into closer to a hibernation mode. And then they've come out. Uh, they're excited for the, uh, for the new traveler getting up and about. You know, uh, over the course of the pandemic, we did see cities faring differently than more outdoor or beach locations. I can go into that if you want. Uh, but it's also uh, a, a, a pretty good staffing challenge that we're hearing from our hotel and restaurant clients where they'd actually like to open up more, but they don't have the staff for some of those uh, auxiliary services. Yeah, staffing challenges across the board, not just in the travel industry. I'll tell you a funny story, but it's so indicative of what's happening. My father-in-law was uh, in Florida. I needed to rent a car. I won't say which company, ends up in a very, very long line, literally like two hours, I think. So when he gets up to the counter, you know, he complained. And the guy says to him, 
we're short on staff as everybody else is. If you want, why don't you hop on over to this side and you could work for us? Like <laughs> it's really crazy what's going on with the staffing shortages. I imagine the service providers have a lot of challenges on that front. Uh, yes, they do. And you know, uh, uh, airlines as well. So a number of different logistical challenges of getting some of these big operations going up from 10% occupancy uh, to 90 or in some cases, a hundred percent. What are you hearing from the service providers about vaccine passports? There's a lot of chatter. Can we actually pull that off? Is it reliable? I know there's obviously a lot of fraud involved, but is it something you think that countries might end up working together so that people could travel more safely and the spaces could open up more? I'm really hopeful that something, even if not perfect, can be pulled together if not on a global basis, at least for large blocks of countries. You know, so much of Europe, for instance, is dependent upon tourism and be able, or partially dependent upon tourism. And to be able, for a site like ours, to be able to share with, with US travelers, look, here's how easy it is to get back out there and travel. Now that you're vaccinated and the vaccination rates in these countries are strong, it's okay. You can go. I mean, I, I personally believe that. I'm, I'm heading to Europe next week. Uh, but navigating the rules and not knowing whether I can go and eat at a, in a restaurant in France if I want to, or will my card that I have in my wallet work? I mean, those are just very legit tactical questions that if governments can help us answer, would be absolutely fabulous. Yeah, I guess it puts a new element of uh, risk in the adventure, right? But I think if people approach it the right way and realize why they're traveling, for leisure anyway, and keep calm and uh, understand there'll be some delays and some disappointments, it's still way better than taking a vacation in your family room. I suppose uh, that's the way out of this, right? Uh, completely. I mean, we've really seen, uh, as people hunker down for so long, how much they are eager, eager to get out. And, and the notion of, you know, it's, it's true with many things in life, if you take away something that you had for granted, all of a sudden, like, wow, I, I, of course I travel a couple of times a year, I didn't realize what it meant to me. And so now I'm out. And you have this notion of extra travel or revenge travel. I want to get out and do even more things. I think one of the stats we published recently was you know, 70% of the folks we surveyed said they wanted to go to be more adventurous and try a new destination in this coming year. Like, get out, explore the world. Yeah. Obviously, as a travel company, we think that's wonderful. But just as something that's good for, good for your soul, good for recharging, and good to help bring the world together a bit more is to get people out and about, experiencing different cultures, out of their own little uh, headspace. I think that's, that's good for the world. Agreed. Have you seen your reviews change? So your reviews were one of the most important things to me as a traveler. You know, what do people think about this city, this hotel, this attraction, whatever it is? And I guess because of COVID, the knowledge base might be different than it used to be. Is that a change that you've seen? And if so, is it a good change, a bad change, or... It's going to be um, fleeting anyway. I think that, that'll probably be fleeting. I think we've seen more criticism on the site recently just in terms of people expecting things to, as they've started to travel again, expecting things to be completely back to normal, not really understanding some of the 
service and, and sheer cost that uh, operators have to provide to, to keep their guests safe. And so like, oh, there wasn't any room service. What kind of hotel is this? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making up the exact quote. I can appreciate why those are different expectations, but as I, as I urge travelers and uh, most of my public forums, uh, relax, you're out there to have a good time. It may not go exactly as it did the last time you traveled, but nobody is traveling in order to experience a hotel room or room service. They're going to travel to visit their friends, to explore a new part of the world, to have the fun of an adventure. And if you keep that in mind, the extra line to check in or the TSA line or the COVID test you have to take, it's, it's noise in comparison. We're all so lucky to be able to get out and travel again. So when we talk about expectations of passengers, one of the things that I'm just so, I don't know if I should say disappointed, shocked, whatever the right word is, is the short tempers that people had, in particular on airplanes, where there are instances of people fighting with the flight crew, um, with the with the flight attendants, and and things like that, is that just a trend because our country, for example, has gotten so polarized about COVID, or do you think people are just not used to manners anymore? What do you think's happening over there? Ooh, uh, I should say I have an opinion, but it's not formed by data or conversations or, or analysis of the issue. I think, unfortunately, this mask wearing has gotten to be uh, a part of just the polarization of the country. It's completely ridiculous when you think of uh, how it's just status quo and has been for decades in, in other countries and how you know we, we take a, a public health crisis and turn it into something other than a public health crisis. And, yeah, like I don't like wearing a mask on a plane because it's a little bit harder to breathe. So what? You're on a plane. You're going somewhere. It's fun. Travel. I mean, it's just the the level of proportionality is just completely out of whack in my mind. And everyone will get used to it. I don't think those rules are going to be changing anytime soon. And if you don't get used to it and you're unruly, you will learn uh, that you don't have a right to fly on an airplane, you will be banned. And that's kind of that's kind of defeats the purpose of travel if you actually now have to drive yourself everywhere you want to go. So hopefully those uh, awareness of those consequences will, will put some of that bad behavior in check. Yeah, I hope so. You know, when we went to Dubai in uh, the fall of 2020, my wife, again, because she's very cautious, made us all wear two masks, a KN95, a mask on top of that, and a face shield. So uh, we said to the kids, you want to come? These are the rules. And that was it. And, you know, they accepted it. And look, the truth is I don't wear a face shield anymore. Uh, I often don't double mask. Certainly I wear a mask. Uh, I'd hate to have to go back to the face shield because they're uncomfortable. But I'll wear the face shield if it means I could travel safely when the need arises. And I won't if there is no need. But I'm never going to make an issue of it. And my kids wouldn't either. Let's talk cruising. We are a big cruise family. We absolutely love it. We've One of the reasons we've been able to show our kids so much of the world is because cruises allow us to take them to different cities so quickly in terms of, you know, you could hit multiple cities in a single cruise. I've not been on a cruise ship yet, uh, and we're excited about the next potential cruise. What is the cruise industry thinking at this point in COVID? Are they comfortable that they could keep people safe now? 
Uh, for my limited conversations, the answer is yes. Uh, they would like to be able to require vaccinations to come on board. It just makes sense from every single way to look at it. Cruising is not a right. If you choose not to be vaccinated, you, you can't demand to, to take the cruise. Uh, uh, they have a lot of experience, way more than most other areas of the hospitality industry, in keeping uh, uh, keeping these ships uh, safe for their audience, for any type of virus, and certainly the coronavirus would fit. So uh, I love cruising as well. You know, short plug, we own a site called cruisecritic.com to go research the best ways to go cruise in New Salem's all over the world. Uh, but it really is, a, as you point out, a great way to see the world in a multi-generational uh, manner. And yeah, if they're launching, I believe they are safe. And if you are vaccinated, there's like, it would be terrible if you got sick. But again, not, not, what, it, not what it is if you are unvaccinated. Different service providers have different rules for cancellation for different things. But um, I, I often get a lot of questions about should we or should we not buy travel insurance in the age of COVID? Any thoughts on that? Well, I, I know the audience here is, is international. And so as you might be a Brit traveling, yeah, the rules around travel insurance and what your health service cover really do vary quite widely in different countries. For a U.S. traveler, the health concerns most U.S. health plans, my understanding, will cover if you get sick no matter where you are. So probably pretty good there. Is travel insurance a great financial deal uh, for, you know, for accident insurance, that sort of stuff? Mm, I mean, in one sense, no insurance is a great deal. Insurance companies exist to make money. So it's more of a, a risk profile. Buy travel insurance. My, my advice to my friends, if you will, is if you really need those dollars that you were going to spend for your next trip, uh, if something happens and, and, and that is your only savings, then travel insurance makes a certain amount of sense. If it would be, oh, darn, you know, gosh, it's going to take me a couple more months to save up for my next trip, then it's, it's not a great economical decision. What about museums, mostly indoors, right? Are, obviously, they suffered at the beginning of COVID. Are they having a comeback these days? Yeah. So when we look at travel behavior as the pandemic broke, uh, people still wanted to get out. They went on driving trips and they went to the outdoors, to the beach or to the, uh, to the mountains, they went hiking and went walking. Uh, and it's only been this past summer that you started to see people in the U.S., start to go back to the cities. New York City, Las Vegas, we're always in our top 10 list. Uh, COVID period, they fell out of the top 10. Boom, summertime, they came back in. And with that return to the city, you have people going back to museums, because of course that's, uh, that's where the museums are, and obviously very, very big tourist, uh, tourist attractions, as they should be. So without playing favorites, um, I know people would love the chance to hear your thoughts on you know, what's your best advice of some places to go if you're a family traveler? And then I'll follow that up with a, you know, couples, and then I'll follow that up with singles and groups, four categories. <laughs> okay. Let's start with family. Well, again, it, it is such an individual, individualized type of question. 
I certainly look back at some of the cruises I have taken as a multi-generational, my kids, my family, and uh, in this case, my, my parents and in-laws. There, in my view, there are a few other trips that have something for everyone. My kids loved it, wanted to go back to the next trip. I didn't think I was much of a cruiser because I'm, I'm much more of an active individual. Oh my God, I'm going to be stuck on a boat. Like, yeah, not at all. You're popping from island to island. There's tons of stuff to do. It depends on the cruise, of course. And on the boat, there's tons of stuff to do. I kind of didn't, didn't even want to get off at some of the places. I was busy all the time. Uh, and my parents' generation uh, enjoyed the relaxation, enjoyed the the art show with the, in the gallery that I wasn't going to be caught dead at, but they, they loved it because they're always look on the lookout for another painting device sort of thing. So the multi-generation generational aspect of the cruise, two thumbs up. Uh, personal front, I just uh, came back from uh, a couple of years ago, a uh, safari uh, in Africa. Absolutely should be on a bucket list adventure. I'm, I, I like animals, but I've never thought of myself as a big animal lover. But to go with the kids, with the kids that are at an age where they can really appreciate everything they're seeing, it puts you in a in a whole nother universe. Uh, and so again, for that extra quality family time, I, I can think of those two. Uh, all of my kids always love the beach vacations, of course, but that's not necessarily all that different than uh, uh, than the local driver or fly to a beach. So, uh, uh, yeah, at the moment, those are my two top families. Okay, how about singles? Uh, well, it's been a long time since I've been single. Uh, advice from kind of the TripAdvisor crowd, wandering brand new places on your own, this goes back you know, some years for me, is a luxury that you may not have later on. So I think of single taking advantage of that moment. Where can you go that you're not likely to go to later on when, uh, when coupled or, or, or with family? Go think of a out-of-the-way city. Let's, let's go to uh, uh, Morocco and explore uh, Casablanca. Or let's go to... Uh, 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 let, let's go to Mumbai, wander around. I mean, places that aren't typical kind of family destinations for, for a handful of reasons. So, I mean, they aren't great places for families to go, but I would urge singles to think of those unique locations. Uh, uh, because there's, for me, there's always been something magical about being able to wander without much of a plan. And that's, uh, that's best when you're solo, I would argue. <laughs> yep. And has group travel made a comeback yet in COVID or not just yet? Uh, you know, the organized tour, I'm going on a plane full of other people that are doing the same thing. That's, that's been a bit on the decline in the U.S. in general. And I'd say is the slowest, slow, has been slow to, uh, uh, slow to recover. So there was a recent article in Axios that said that their prediction is we're going to enter into a new golden age of travel because people have accrued a record amount of paid time off 
They think that around half of the people are in danger of losing that time off by the end of the year. Are you seeing anything on TripAdvisor that would suggest there's just going to be this rush before the end of the year, or perhaps some people get to use it or lose it early in next year uh, that suggests that this is the case? Because it makes a lot of sense, this prediction. Yeah, I don't have too much of a perspective on the use it or lose it being uh, a key driver versus that driver to just get out and go to more places. All of our surveys say we're excited. And it is travel in a different way. It's it's exploring. And while the destination is critical, there's a lot about what am I going to do in that destination? Uh, millennials are great. 80% of the millennials will say, I'm like, I am booking a tour and activity in advance. Uh, non-millennials, I think the figure is high 60%. This is the best advanced booking of what you're actually going to do that we know of, that we've heard of. That experiential aspect where 20 years ago, hey, I'm going to Paris. Let's be sure to do the Eiffel Tower tour. Let's go to the Louvre. Let's do the Modern Art Museum. Like all still classic and very popular, but from what we can tell, more and more people are looking for something bespoke. More and more people are looking for something that they feel is much more authentic in the destination. What's a Parisian really going to feel like? How am I both eating and playing, uh, experiencing the city in a way that my parents didn't, even though it might be my, my first time to Paris? So I, when we did travel, I mean, I was a big believer in that. I would come up with, you know, 10, 12 pages worth of itineraries, in large part using TripAdvisor, which is why I'm so grateful. Thank you. We would do a lot of advanced booking because you never want to get to the destination and find it. You can't do it. And in particular, obviously pre-COVID, some of these things you can't even get into, uh, especially in Europe. Uh, but that brings me to my um, next question. I'm very bullish on the Middle East. Okay, I'm a guy who, other than Israel, and I had gone to Jordan and Egypt before my job in the White House, I really had not experienced the Middle East at all. Obviously, I spent three years traveling throughout the Middle East, and then I continue to do so. I think that they are um, just, it's an amazing place to go. Are you seeing people from the United States uh, gain an interest in the Middle East or not yet? Uh, good question. I don't know on, on that one. And I would be reluctant to look at any current data and predict a trend from it on, on that angle. Uh, I mean, if you look at uh, my, I think this is still true, in the bio on my own website, uh, on TripAdvisor, uh, you know, favorite travel destination. And Jerusalem was it, because I have such strong memories of the incredible amount of, of history there. And I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to visit a couple of other places in the Middle East. And you know, it is, uh, again, one of the amazing parts of the world that the degree possible everyone should, should get a chance to visit. Yeah, now that it's more connected, it's, uh, it's a lot easier. Uh, absolutely. It, it is easier. It is uh, safer. Uh, we actually just did, uh, uh, as a client, we were helping Abu Dhabi. Uh, build their reputation as an amazing spot for tourism. I think we built a, uh, a, uh, an Alexa skill that helps you kind of walk through and learn about 
this country that from any uh, from any home speaker system you can uh, you can start to experience that country. Yeah, look, I remember the first time I toured Abu Dhabi. I had not even known that there were cool things to do there. I went to their Louvre pre-Abraham Accords. I was amazed to see that there were actually Jewish things in that museum. Um, now, obviously, you can get kosher food throughout Abu Dhabi, so it's it's really uh, it's quite amazing. What would be a tip or the top two three tips for people to use TripAdvisor when they're planning their their escape from COVID? What do you think the best way is to use your site? Uh, this may sound uh, this may sound a little self-serving, but it is genuinely the best tip I can give anyone right now. We've recently uh, released a product called TripAdvisor Plus. It's an annual subscription product, costing $99 for a full year. And what you get are some amazing discounts on hundreds of thousands of hotels across the world. And... 10% off on every experience that we sell, every bookable experience that we sell on, on the site. So what we find is a lot of people looking, I want a great hotel in Abu Dhabi. Great. Here's a whole bunch. They all look pretty good because you see those ratings on TripAdvisor and you read the reviews. I'm like, yeah, that one's great. Ooh, and that one's great too. And that one. And wait a minute. I can get $300 off of this one. Cool. Oh, I have to pay $100 to get the $300 off? That's pretty easy. Oh, wait a minute. I get these discounts for the entire next 12 months, plus the dune buggy ride I want, plus the private tour of the whatever, whatever in Abu Dhabi. Plus, I mean, those are just all things that we have available for sale. So uh, uh, these savings that you're able to get, we find when we ask people, I'm like, they're not putting it in, in the bank. They're using it for something even better on that trip. And that better may be a meal. It may be uh, taking a private tour instead of the group tour. It may be putting two things in that afternoon instead of you know the, the, the only one that they could afford. And, of course, the product works whether you're going to Abu Dhabi or any other city around the entire country. For the international audience, sorry, it's only available to the U.S. audience at the moment, but it covers anywhere that you want to go. I'd say that would be tip one. Uh, uh, we Just as a side note, uh, uh, we are moving this model to something we call, the, we call vacation funds. So you're actually starting to build up a, a bank of how much you have earned as you buy your travel. And that allows folks to kind of save up for that next magical trip. Uh, and that's resonating really well with our travelers. Number two, I would say, uh, uh, is something that even folks listening may, uh, uh, may be TripAdvisor users, but may not realize this additional benefit that they have for free on the site, and that's our travel forms. We have an incredibly rich area of the site called forms where you might be able to go in and post a question. If your question is, hey, what's the best hotel downtown? Look, we already have a big list and area of the hotels area of our site that's going to answer that question. You don't need to ask in the forums, but when you do ask in the forums, you're asking other people that are experts in this area. Uh, my father-in-law many years ago was traveling to, uh, uh, to Italy and like, how can I score opera tickets? 
and he asks me, I'm like, I'm neither an opera fan nor do I have the slightest idea how to go about doing that. But because I was in the travel biz, he asked me. I turned around. I asked in our forums in Italy. And boom, within the same day, I got two different answers, both with great tips on how to secure tickets to, uh, to the opera he was looking for. Wow. And I'm amazed as CEO of the company that like there's thousands, tens of thousands of individuals out there that are so proud of where they live or proud of where they are a destination expert in that they're happy to answer questions and kind of invite people to their locale, helping them in any way they can. And uh, it's great. You, you, you made a nice connection with somebody who's probably on the ground there. You got a, an authentic answer to a real question you had, and you got it really quickly. That's, that's tough to beat. Yeah, I actually, you remind me now, because it's been so long since we've been on a cruise, that your forums on Cruise Critic are equally helpful. You know, which airport is closer? Is it realistic to do this in one day? How do you structure the day both to get the maximum offshore and onshore? Uh, so I think the forums that you run, that you, help, that you host, are just quite amazing. You have, to be, you have to be brave enough to ask a question, which is astonishing, according to our research, a, a bit of a hurdle for some. But I promise you, once you do it, you'll be stunned by, by the benefit of the answer, and you can start a little conversation online. Yeah, I found people yeah. are so nice when they answer these questions. Super, super nice. Last question. What's your closing message to the traveling public? What do you want to share and say, you know, excite people for what will hopefully be a, a, new, a new era? Yeah, it's simple. Yeah. Uh, uh, get fully vaccinated if you're not. Be respectful of those you're interacting with in the hospitality industry and follow the rules that they set up. They're often the, the folks you're talking to may not be in charge of those rules, but, but they are set up. And don't let any of those inconveniences get in the way of having an amazing vacation or amazing three-day weekend or a one-day day trip from wherever you are. Travel is good for your soul. There is, I mean, our, our, our motto, if you will, there's good out there. There's so much to see. There's so much waiting for you. We've all been cooped up for so long. And now in a lot of parts of the world, travel's back. And you know, we see it in our numbers. Obviously, people are taking all these vacations now. Wonderful. And uh, I would posit that travel in the coming years is going to have more of a permanent uptick in where people are choosing to, to spend their, their dollars and their time. They're going to be saving for more travel. They're going to be taking you know, more trips on average. And they're probably going to be going a bit further away than they, than they had before. Great. Thanks for those tips. Thank you for your time. Very informative. Really appreciate it, Steve. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, this is Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. An interesting conversation with Stephen Coffer, the CEO of TripAdvisor. It reminds me how much I used to love to travel with my family and how much I miss it. I look forward to getting back out there, safely of course. One of the things Steve said that really struck home with me, he made the point about how travel helps people connect. I'm a big believer in that. Whenever I travel with my kids, I try to do local things and meet local people. That's one of the best ways to learn about the world around us and the people who may be so different than us, but who we can still connect with and develop relationships with. 
Have fun planning your next adventure whenever it might be, wherever you decide to go, whether it's local, a little further away, across the country, or somewhere else around the world. Travel safe, have patience, and have loads and loads of fun. If you found this podcast interesting, please do share it and my other podcasts with your friends, family, and colleagues. You can listen to The Diplomat on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. Until next time, I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.